0: Graduating class, hear me well on this day. When you at this day when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you would rather find purpose than a job or career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to, victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, that method of betrayal, a different path opened up for me.
1: And, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Provoking Conversation Podcast. Um, good to have you guys back. Sean's back again from his shorts. You can call it a sabbatical sc- or whatever they call it. Leave. Maternity leave. Whatever you want to call it. I'm just back, guys. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Hopefully everyone is healthy and safe. I know there's been a lot of things that have been happening over the last two weeks. I'm going to touch on what I can. We're going to talk about some things that have come up. Um, the speech that you just heard, for those of you that do not know, that was the speech that Chadwick Boseman, the recent actor, star of Black Panther and Jackie Robinson, gave to the graduating class of Howard University. Um, he gave that speech, I think it was a couple years ago. For those of you who do not know, Chadwick Boseman has passed away due to colon cancer, which he hid from the public. For the four years that he created, I think about eight, nine films while he was, I believe it was stage two colon cancer. Um, it was such a great display of strength. Nobody knew it was really a well-kept secret. So it was really a shock when his death, um, came out. So guys, thank you once again. And I wanted to take that beginning to go ahead and play part of that speech. You can check out the full speech on YouTube, um, it's a great speech. It's inspiring. I I mean, for that man to go through what he went through and still be able to perform at the level that he did is amazing. And, you know, I, I got an opportunity to watch a few of the interviews that he did. And in those interviews, you know, he you could see that he knew... When, Black Panther, especially, and Jackie Robinson, those two movies, the roles that he played there really hit an impact in the African-American community because Jackie Robinson being an idol, being the first African-American to play in the major leagues, and um, Black Panther being such a big hit in the African-American community because of it being a mainstream superhero, which... Um, there's not that many superheroes of color that are mainstream and hit the big screen like Black Panther did in the numbers that it did. So um, I just want to take an opportunity to say um, Chadwick, rest in power, um, my brother. Um, thank you for everything that you were able to accomplish while you were here. And like he said in his speech, and I really do, um, I want you guys, if you have a moment to check out his speech, he talks about his purpose, and that's big, you know, talking about what you were really put here for and why will you put in this world during this time in history. And I think it goes, it goes deeper than a job. It goes deeper than a profession. It goes deeper than, you know, the, the stereotypical things. You're not just here to marry somebody. You're not just here to have kids. You're here to, to are here to change something about the world in a very unique way. So just keep that in mind as you pick your career, as you pick your jobs, um, and that's part of the reason this podcast is here, because I believe, you know, this is part of my purpose. Um, and I'm, I I thank Chadwick again for kind of um, pushing that and reminding me of that. So, guys, uh, a lot of things has happened over the last two weeks. I'm not going to hit on all of them. I'm just going to hit on some of the ones that came up recently and some of the ones that um, really caught my attention. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and get started with one of my favorite people. I'm Donald Trump. And hopefully you all haven't forgot what I sound like when I'm sarcastic. That was me being sarcastic. So there was a clip that came out recently with Donald Trump that basically says that he underplayed the coronavirus. Now, me, I already believed that. But there were a lot of people, especially people who are supporters of Trump's, believe that he did everything in his power. But he does, in a sense, admit that he did downplay the virus in this clip. And I believe, let me see here, he did this clip on an interview with a Woodward Book. So I'm going to go ahead and let you guys listen to this clip and then I'll talk about it.
0: What's turning out? It's not just old people, Bob. Just today and and yesterday, some uh, startling facts came out. It's not just old, older people to plenty of young people. So, give me a a moment of talking to somebody going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to oh my god the gravity is uh almost inexplicable and unexplainable well I think Bob really to be honest with sure, you sure I want you to I be. wanted to uh I wanted to always play it down I still like playing it down yes uh, because I don't want to create a panic
1: so you got So you guys just heard um, Donald Trump talking here with Woodward. And I guess the biggest thing that stands out to me there is that he admits playing it down. Um, But we all knew that when coronavirus or COVID-19 or whatever we want to call it at this point first started to come out, guys, um, a lot of us was like, you should pay attention to this. He should have never played it down in my personal opinion because we knew it was serious. By the time February rolled around, even March rolled around, um, and by the time of this interview, coronavirus was already destroying the eastern side of the world. Italy was already getting hit, China was already ravaged by it, there was already countries that were already getting hit by the coronavirus, and we knew, or at least if you had half a brain you would know, it was a matter of time until it made it to U.S. borders. So instead of playing it off from the beginning, he should have took it seriously... As the president should have, he should have told the people, like, look, we are taking this seriously. We're going to take precautions. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to make sure that anybody that comes into the country is screened. We're going to do everything that we can to make sure this doesn't spread. When one person got coronavirus, I remember particularly Donald Trump playing that off and saying, oh, it'll go away. And now we're here. We went through about three, four months of quarantine. We've opened things back up, but they're not even close to opening back up as much as some of the other places in the world. And our country is not as strict as others. Now, I know some of you um, anti-maskers or they're taking away our freedom don't like what I'm saying here. But at the end of the day, it's about saving lives. You know. We're at a point now where they're just gonna let the virus do what it do. They're gonna have some procedures in place. But at this point I I've, I've come to the point the government really doesn't care about upping procedures or you know, increasing ways to help people with coronavirus until the election's over. You know, Trump's main focus isn't running the country right now, it's him trying to run the election. So I don't see him making any precautions or any changes. Um, to try to make the country safer until he gets reelected. And if he doesn't get reelected, then we're going to have to def- we're gonna have to depend on Bi- Biden to do that, which I have my own opinions about Joe Biden and about some of his policies. But honestly, you guys know me by now. I'm not a John Donald Trump fan. I'm not a John Biden fan either, but I think he is. He has the right mentality and attitude um, for the time that we need him. It's not about picking the best president. It's about picking the best president for this time and what we need for this country. When Obama got elected, some people would have said like, well, he wasn't the right one, but he was the right one for the time. And we can see that and how the economy went up and how some of the things like health care got initiated. That may not be what everybody wanted, but I think that was the best thing for this time. Now, the time we're in now, um, after Donald Trump got his turn, I think Biden is the best pick here. Um, I'm not going to get too political. This isn't a political podcast, but um, just giving my two cents. Another fun news about Trump, he was also nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know what you have to do to get this particular award. Um, I'm not going to talk much about it. I don't think he deserves it. I mean, what do you have to do to get the Nobel Peace Prize? And I heard the guy that recommended him was like somebody recommends him all the time. So, you know, we'll see how that one goes. In other news, and this is kind of a big one here, talking about Brianna Taylor. For those of you who don't know who Brianna Taylor is, she was she was a 26, I believe, old woman, African-American woman that was killed in her home by police officers while they were executing a no-knock warrant, which is bull crap in the first place. I mean there's been a lot of social outcry for her and her case and for her killers to be convicted. But we do have an update here. Um, Breonna Taylor's family will receive a $12 million settlement from the city. That has been confirmed by the family. And that's great news. And I'm happy for them. But when are you going to arrest her killers? See, this is the thing. And, and, I, and some people don't like when I say this and they think I'm not happy for the family receiving the money. That's not the case. Let's think about this for a second, people. What are they paying for here? Are they paying to say they're sorry? Yeah, probably partly. But paying Breonna Taylor's family is admitting that you did something wrong. So if we did something wrong, why can't we bring the killers to justice? This doesn't make no sense. This is called, what we call it in my house is hush-hush money. We give you this $12 million and you don't... You no longer scream for outcasts, scream for killers. You no longer, you know, try to lead an uprising against the police. It's all about how can we calm the public now? It's similar to what Malcolm X said. Uh, Malcolm X said, and this is in a direct quote, but he said something about giving us monetary or symbolic or symbols to show that we're with you instead of actually changing policy. So basically... You know, the government, the way they work now is that we'll give you money. We'll tear down all these statues of these, you know, trade uh, of the of these um slave drivers, excuse me. We will, you know, put things on the back of our helmets as part of the NFL. We'll say Black Lives Matter. But we will rarely change policy to actually change and stop the systematic racism. Which to me is backwards. If you just change the policy or just change the system so everyone's equal, we wouldn't have this problem. But that makes too much sense. So, anyways. Arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. That's great the family received $12 People need to be held accountable for their actions. Just like all these other people on Facebook and Twitter. All these other people would say, well, these people, when black men get killed, well, they were thugs. They didn't listen. they will be held accountable. Well, let's hold these white officers or these officers, whatever color they were, accountable for killing a young black woman who was unarmed sleeping in her home. Let's hold that accountable. Let's, let's talk about accountability there. So... Again, congrats to Brianna Taylor's family. Hopefully, they use the money. But I'm sure if you ask every single one of them, they'd rather have Brianna here. They they would be like, I'll trade in all this money to have her back here, breathing, speaking, and hugging. But um, unfortunately, um, she was robbed of her life, and her killers do need to become the ju- come to justice. So, and this brings up another point here, people, about you know, this money. Where do you think the 12 million is coming from? Think about it for a second. Where do you think this 12 million is coming from? Who pays, who pays the city? Who pays the government? Who pays the police? That's us. That's taxpayer money. We are basically flipping the bill because they made a mistake. Don't let them fool you. Oh, we took this out the budget. How does the budget come to be for, you know, government officials? It's our money. It's our taxpayer money. So basically... The public has to flip the bill because the system, there's not a system in place to hold officers accountable and you guys just can't admit that you were wrong and prosecute the killers of Breonna Taylor. And I'm sure this has happened in other scenarios where families have been given a large monetary amount of money and basically it's gone away after that. Because again, after the family gets money, I'm sure they sign something saying, hey, we're not going to publicly bash you anymore. We're not going to talk about the case. We're not going to try and get them convicted. We're not going to sue. Because a lot of times when you sign settlements like that, there's something written in to protect the officers. There's something written in to protect the state from you coming back and suing them. There's something written in there to cover their butts. They don't just give you $12 million just to give you 12000000 million. They're not that nice. So one, we're flipping the bill. The officers still haven't been charged. Now I'm not saying the Brianna's family don't take the money, cause if someone's waving twelve million at me, I can do a lot with that. I can change my whole family's trajectory with twelve million. I can change other people's lives with twelve million. So I get why they're taking the money. I'm more talking about that's what they do first. First they make a law saying they can't execute um, can't execute no knock warrants. Then they give the family money. What else do you have to do? Like, you're doing everything but arresting her killers. And that's my personal opinion. Um, uh, in other news, a little bit um little bit on the lighter side. A little bit on the lighter side. Musical artist or rapper Cardi B files for divert files for divert di, excuse me, divorce from her rapper husband offset. Um, if you guys don't know who Cardi B is, I want you to look up the music video WAP. W-A-P. I'm not going to say on this podcast what this what that stands for. Probably most of you have heard the song or seen the video. Um, that's who Cardi B is. Um, there's been some rumors about Offset, you know, being unfaithful and things like that from the past. And maybe it came back up. Um, that just goes to show you, you can have some WAP. Doesn't mean you can keep a man, you know. Men don't stay around just for a while. They, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you. From a man's view, what keeps them close is, basically, if they want to. You know, when I, something that annoys me, is that when women say, "Well, if he wanted to, he would." That is true to a degree, but there is some truth to that. He's going to stay faithful if he wants to, and it goes the same way with women. Let's not act like women are you know unique to this one here. It goes the same way. But that brings up another interesting topic that I've talked about in this podcast a few times. That's right. You guessed it, prenups. Makes me wonder, did they sign a prenup? Now, Cardi B has her own money, Offset has his own money, so I'm thinking here they're just going to split split custody of their child, child, and um keep going on their ways. This is sad. I don't wish for people to get a divorce. I don't wish for celebrities to get a divorce because especially when a child's involved, because now the child's life is going to be mostly, um, you know, having to deal with this divorce because it not only affects the two adults, it affects the child too. You know, I have friends who are divorced or been divorced or separated from the father of their child or separated from the mother of their child and they have custody and it's, it's sometimes it's, it works. Sometimes the co-parenting things works and they make it work. And sometimes it's as ugly as it could be, you know. And sometimes it's just the other parent is just absent. And that's the unfortunate truth. So I pray for all parties involved. I hope it gets resolved smoothly. Hopefully there's no fight legally. Hopefully they can just come to an agreement there. And other news that I do want to talk about today is it's sports related. Yes, guys, I'm going to talk about sports a little bit. Well, first of all, the NFL season has started. This is great. Um, I talked about a little bit, and I think I talked about this in some of my early episodes back when quarantine first started. I wasn't sure if the NFL was going to go, but they're going. You know, the first week I was glued to the TV for about 12 hours straight. I drank more beer than I should have, I ate more food than I should have, and I probably screamed at other other grown men hitting each other, but you know what? I accept who I am. Do you accept who you are? Because I, I accept who I am. Anyways, NFL's back. And so is college football. So breaking news today, the Big Ten Conference of College Football have decided to play. Now, to talk about a little bit why this is important, because initially when college football was slated to start back up, the Big Ten was not one of those conferences that said, no, we're not playing. Now, the reason, now the way this works a little bit to give you guys a little bit of an insight. Each conference in college football has a commissioner and and they also have a board. That board is made up of the university presidents. So what they did at the beginning, the university presidents, they took a vote either to continue the college football season or not to. The Big Ten was really the only major conference that said no. As of today, which is September 16th a Wednesday, um, they have approved it. Big Ten football is coming back on a reduced season. Now, I've talked about the NCAA a little bit. Doing my podcast, but this just shows. Why do you think they're pushing so hard to do college football? It's all about the money. There's no leadership in college football because if one conference could do it, all the conferences can do it. If, you know, if Division One, like the big conferences can do it, why can't Division II play? Why can't Division Three play? Which there are some Division II and Division Three teams playing, but they left it up to the conference. College football and college athletics has no leadership. The NCAA does not care about the kids. They do not care about the young men and women that play the sport. They care about money. And I wish and this is actually part of what's wrong with the system. Every every system that controls a major part of our lives, major sports, the NFL, NHL, L- MLB, NCAA you know, the government, there is some type of money grab going on. And that's part of the reason, that's part of what's wrong with the system anyway. I'm kind of ranting here, I'm kind of going off topic, but just think about it, guys. If all the other conferences start, why are we leaving it up to the individual conferences instead of, like, the head of the NCAA saying, look, you could play, but you have to follow these rules, similar to what some of the sports leagues are saying, because there is no leadership. Which makes me concerned for anybody that has a... a, um, a young person that's going to college athletics, because we just don't know how that's going to go. Um, and, and like I mentioned before in the episode, I think it was episode 18, which was Safe Zone. Um, I mentioned about schools and universities and how their COVID procedures going to work. It's going to be interesting to see if we can get through a full college football season. Um, Staying on sports a little bit. For those of you who may not know who this is, Doris Burke. So Doris Burke is a female, and she is one of the more famous NBA analysts. And I want to say congratulations to her because she became, because it started, she became the, fir- the first woman to serve as a game analyst for a conference finals in the NBA. She's the very first one to do that. Now that seems a little bit crazy because women have been involved in sports for so long, but that's the truth. You know, she's the first one. I listen to NBA games. I uh, watch them all the time. She's amazing. She's great. I'm all for women breaking into sports from football to basketball to hockey. I think we need more, wo- more women in sports. I think that's a great thing. So I wanted to take a moment and congratulate Doors Burke on the amazing achievement. All right. What else we got here? Oh. This is an interesting one that I've came across. And again, I'm just kind of highlighting certain things that I've came across. I'm not going to list every single little piece of news that I went over the last two weeks. If I miss something, guys, just mention it to me. Hit our page and we'll be able and I'll go ahead and talk about it. Um, Forbes, Forbes, the famous news entity, released an article About the second stimulus check. Now they released the article. And the article's original name was. A second stimulus check is coming. Can the black community wait? (laughs) Really? Now of course this is edited by this point. This isn't there anymore. They changed it to minority. And then I think they changed it again to low income. But that just shows you. Now, this isn't the first time like a major company has done this, you know, and it just surprises me. Like, you don't have somebody reading over your titles or reading over your, you know, what you release just to make sure that, you know, you're not saying anything that's offensive. But here's the thing. I I don't really think they care as much as we think they do about these type of things. So I just thought that was interesting, but that just shows, you know, how people view the low income communities as, as probably being black. And I'm just kind of thinking like, why does the black communities automatically get chimed in? I don't know, guys. I, I really don't. I'm just here trying to give you some information that I picked up and just get you guys to think and talk about it. I don't really know what's what's going on here all right um next piece of news remember our friend Ellen for those of you who don't know I I talked about Ellen a few episodes ago there was some there was some allegations and some things that came out about Ellen's um show about a very toxic work environment you know abusive behavior things like that um she has announces her her show will return and she says she's gonna talk about it and what I think, what she means by talk about it, she's going to say she's sorry. She's going to say she didn't mean it. And she fired whoever, you know, spoke up against her. Because when she says to go talk about it, I don't I don't know Ellen well enough. She's smiley and all that. And she's nice. But did she actually get to the root of the problem? Did she actually change her behavior based off that? Did she actually do anything to actually, you know, change the view of how her show and how her employees um, view her? And it looks like it's coming September 21st. So today's 16th. So it's coming soon. Um, so I will watch that as soon as it does come out. And I think I'll be interested in what she says about that. Alright. Last thing here, guys. Not super long episode. But, again, just wanted to point out some things that have been mentioned within the news that I think are important. So... Um, the Rochester, New York police chief, Leron Singletary, and the entire police command staff, and this was reported on, I believe it was on, it was about seven days ago from here, so we're going to say the ninth, so a day before my birthday. So, once again, Rochester, New York police chief, Leron Singletary, and entire police command staff officially resigned following intense criticism of Daniel, Prude, of Daniel Prude case. He says backlash is an attempt to destroy his character. Okay, for those of you who may not heard of it, there was a case back in, I believe it was March or February, um, of a black man named Daniel Prude. Daniel Prude um, suffered from mental conditions. So th- the story starts that his brother called... Called 911 because Daniel Prude's brother called the police because Daniel was breaking windows and he was having basically, from what I understand, um, a mental breakdown. So, what happened? The police arrived on the scene. They restrained Daniel Prude. Now, at this point, if you ever, I, I didn't watch the video because it's, it's, it's very, it's graphic. It's basically a video of a man being murdered right in front of us. Let me just paint the picture for you. This man's having a mental breakdown. And what I mean by breakdown, he's acting erratic. He's not really trying to hurt anybody, but he's acting erratic. So the police try to restrain him. This man doesn't have, is he's not in, Daniel's not in anything but his underwear. And it's snowing because it's in February. So he's out there in the freezing cold. He's on the ground. He's in his underwear. They're restraining him. Um, he is sort of still moving around. Um, there's images of the police, of one of the police officers pushing Daniel's head down with two hands. Also, one of the officers claimed that Daniel said he had COVID at the time. This is at the beginning of COVID. So they put a bag over his head. I don't know why they put a bag over his head instead of just giving him a mask. Maybe they didn't have a mask. Maybe it was too early in the game. I don't know. I'm just kind of telling from what I've read. So they put a bag over his head. They restrain him. There are images of one officer putting his knee on Daniel's neck, which we all know from the George Floyd case that could be very painful or deadly. There's also another image of one officer putting two hands on the back of Daniel's head and pushing his head to the ground. Um, as this proceeded for multiple minutes... Um, Daniel then became quiet. And one of the police officers asked, are you done? Um, Daniel became unresponsive. And, um, Daniel... And come to find out, he vomited. And then Daniel was pronounced dead at the scene. Now And he was fully alive, um, when the officer showed up. So, from that, I, I'm guessing... Th- the chief of police and the police command um didn't like how people were criticizing and the videos online. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share it on this podcast. It's it's traumatizing for someone like me to watch that. Um but in the case of you do want to watch it, it is accessible online. And it's and you can kind of see that they kind of go a little bit they go too far when trying to restrain him. The bag over his head he's obviously giving signs of suffocating, but they obviously really don't care there. So I'm guessing the leadership of the Rochester New York police didn't like how people were coming at them. They were top. Good. I say good. Goodbye. Adios. If you can't handle the heat, get out the kitchen. I know that's easy for me to sit behind this mic and said, but you signed up for it. You had to know as a police chief, at some point you're going to get, you're going to get under fire for things. And the thing that kind of kills me, this man is black. So he's not looking at it from the public's view. And that's another thing, man. A lot of people lack empathy. He says it's an attack of his character. Well, if you're not doing your job by policing your staff or making sure your staff follows the right procedures, then, yeah, some people are going to attack your character. Some people may be upset with you. That's normal when we sit here and watch on the Internet another black man getting getting killed. And he wasn't even violent. This wasn't a criminal call, people. This wasn't saying that, oh, Daniel Pru was breaking into things. This was him having a mental breakdown. He, this was a mental call. And this is what we talk about here. And this is kind of what I was trying to get to. This is what we talk about when we talk about reform of police. Defund the police. This is, I'm not really a big, I'm defund, but defund and reform basically mean the same thing in a lot of circles, but. What we mean here is that police are not accurately trained to handle those type of situations. They're there to make sure the person stops doing what they're doing, restrain them and go on from there. But we could see from scenarios like this in other scenarios that the police were not always the best people to handle that job. That's not a that's not a knock on police either. That's not me that's not Sean saying, oh I hate police and this, this and that. That's Sean saying that there has to be a smarter way of handling certain situations that police are not equipped to handle. And when we do that, and if we establish that, that not only helps the African-American community, that only helps the people that are, you know, killed, um, killed by police, because the police don't know how to accurately handle the situation, that helps everybody. Police, they're, they're not trained to deal with mental patients. That's just the truth. They're not trained for that. They're more militarized by anything. And, you know, and a great example that I came across today was something that, that's happened in Denver. Let me see if I can find it real quick. So a new program in Denver... that sen- This new program in Denver... It sends a paramedic plus a mental health expert to 911 calls instead of police. So it launched in mid of calls of alternative to policing. And so far, per the reports, and this is from the Denver Post... Um, So far, the van has taken more than 350 calls without once having to call in police backup. You see, if we try to change it to make it better for the people, we can do it. That's my point here. Denver has taken, you know, the initiative to try to create something that deals with a wide multitude of situations. And again... Um, The police can get involved if they're needed to because we do need police in some scenarios. But there's so many of these scenarios where the police isn't needed or they're not trained accurately. And then people get on the internet, blue lives matter, and no defund the police. We're not talking about getting rid of cops. And I'm pretty sure I've said this before. But you know what? I'm going to beat this dead horse again. We're not talking about getting rid of all police. We're talking about weeding out the ones that are bad. We're talking about increasing police training so they are more prepped for every type of scenario. Um, they're more prepped for other scenarios. And using some of the social services that the government already pays for, such as mental health, um, you know, social workers, things like that, in scenarios where they're actually needed. You know, domestic violence. You know, why can't a counselor come with a police officer and try to work things out? You know, incidents that involve children should... should should include child services. You know, um, incidents with mental health patients should include, um, certain, excuse me, should include psychiatry. It just makes sense. It makes sense to me when you think about it that way. People are like, well, you can't talk bad about the police. Hold on. Wait a second here. Hold on, Sally. I just call them all Sally. Instead of Karen, I call them Sally. Do you know we pay their salaries? You know, they, they, they get paid by taxpayer money. There are that service was created for the people, not for them, not for the government to say they have something for us, the people. So with that, if we as the people want to demand a change of service or adapt or adaptation of service, we should have the right to do that. This is supposed to be a democracy, not a dictatorship saying you have to listen to police and that's it. And that's part of the reason what's wrong with this country right now Enough people don't see it that way. This is a good thing for all of us, the people that we can ask and request a change of service to make it better for every single scenario or, or as many scenarios as possible to try to keep people alive. But you know what? People only look at it as in, well, somebody I know hasn't been shot by the police because they comply. Somebody I know hasn't been, you know, profiled. But you know what? That is the most selfish way to think about it. And if you want to be selfish and live in America, you, I don't think you should be here. Because the whole part of the American dream is supposed to be us looking out for each other because we all live here in America. It's supposed to be stand united. United we stand. Isn't that part of, the, you know, part of the Pledge of Allegiance, united we stand? what's we'll st- why if we're if it's united we stand why can't we see that if we change the way the police operates and provide them additional serve and provide and put money into additional services to support police work for scenarios that they're not equipped to do why can't you see that doesn't help everybody I mean I I do have one theory and this isn't nice but some of you are just you don't want to see it the other part you're just stupid No, really, no, really. You lack the intelligence to look ahead. No, I'm serious. Some of you really lack the intelligence. And it's sad because the ones of you that lack the intelligence and don't want to see it, people feed into it. And I think Trump is one of those people that don't want to see it. I don't think he lacks the intelligence, but he doesn't want to see it. Biden, Biden sees it. Biden said in his campaign, he's like, I don't plan on getting rid of the police, but I do plan on reform. I do plan on trying to make it better. And that's really the best case scenario. And I may be talking to some of you that may say, well, we do need to debunk, de- we do need to get rid of the police. I don't necessarily agree, and I'm okay for having to sit down and the argue, to sit down about, the- about why. But if we reform it and change the way it's formatting and provide them with better opportunities and more training and using some of those other services and scenarios where they really come in handy to de escalate, then we have something here. Or at least let's change something, because obviously what we're doing now is not working. It's obviously not working. So yeah, I thought that was interesting and kind of wanted to make that point there. So guys, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Um, Welcome back. I will be back every Friday. I mean, well, the podcast we post every Friday, like normal. Um, I'll continue to try to get more guests on the show and things like that. Got to get back with a few people. Hopefully, I can get some of you all to give me some user submissions once again this year, this season. Um, Hopefully, everyone is well. Um, For everybody who did reach out to me for my birthday, I appreciate you and I love you. So once again, guys, um, if no one's told you today, I love you. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. Um, And once again, everybody, keep talking.